0: Well, it's sure good to see you uh, guys here uh, in, in this service and also to welcome people who, some at our Lifeway campus, some at our Kerman campus, and others that are watching online. I have a friend who watches from Norway every Sunday and is involved with us. In fact, he's one of our online counselors. So hey, Steiner, it's always, uh, it's always good to be able to uh, communicate with you. We're in a great series right now for Christmas called All You'll Need. And it's a a series about the fact that God sent his son into the world, and he sent him in the world literally to give us all that we'll need to be able to live life the way God wants us to live it, and to experience eternity with him. And so we're taking a look at each week at some of the things that that are included in the birth of Christ and his gift to us. And as Andrew mentioned, I want to talk to you today about a birth of hope. Now, if you were in here right at the beginning of the service, you heard from John chapter one. Uh, if you weren't here, I wanna read it again for you. No sermon is ever better than the Bible text it's taken from, and so it's good for us to uh, to see this text, and it says this, John one, verse one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, Pastor Shane did a great message last week, and explained, the New Testament originally written in the Greek language, our English word, word, is a Greek word, logos. And it means the rationale, the meaning, the purpose behind the universe. And Greek philosophers, that's how they understood the logos. And he did a great job of explaining that the meaning and purpose behind the universe uh, is a person, Jesus Christ. And so that's what John is saying here. And uh, then he goes on uh, to tell us in, uh, notice in verse uh, 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then verse 9 says, and the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. But he came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. And yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then verse 14 says these words, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, you know, here's the point of this whole thing that is called the incarnation. The fact, the word incarnation is a theological term, and it means to come incarnate, to come in flesh, to come with meat on. We have a, we have a phrase we use that somebody's got skin in the game. Uh, if you will, that when Jesus Christ came into the world, he came to play with skin in the game. He came to us as a human being. In fact, notice if you've pulled out your message notes, this great verse from 1 Timothy chapter 3 that says this without question, this is the great mystery of our faith that Christ was revealed in a human body. And I just would echo the Apostle Paul who wrote that and say, that's like, no question. This is a great mystery. How did God? come into human history and what the incarnation really is telling us is that it's not so much a mind that is behind this incredible universe but it's a heart and God came to us as a baby Jesus didn't beam down and all of a sudden he's standing on a mountain delivering the Beatitudes he didn't show up like some Marvel, you know superhero and uh Uh, you know, uh, enter on a comet or something. Jesus was born, now think about this, the eternal God who made everything there is, that's what John one tells us, became a human zygote and grew into an embryo implanted in the placenta of a peasant girl. Without question, this is the great mystery of our Christian faith, that God would do that. Jesus contracted to the measure of a womb of a virgin and was born, and he came to us as a baby who couldn't even hold up his own head. He came to us and lived as a toddler who spilled milk, as one author said, and who skipped to school with his friends and probably suffered from acne as as an adolescent. In fact, I like what Max Lucado says about this. Mary didn't know whether to give him milk or to give him praise, but she gave him both since he was, as near as she could figure, hungry and holy. Joseph didn't know whether to call him junior or father, but in the end he called him Jesus since that's what the angel had said, and he didn't have the faintest idea what to name a god that he could cradle in his arms without question. This is the great mystery of our faith, that Jesus Christ came to us as a person. In fact, you know, if we're going to get the point of really what this whole thing about Christmas is is about and the whole thing of the incarnation, I want you to write this down. But First of all, his coming is for me personally. It's for me personally. I, I don't know if you caught that as we were reading in John 1, it says, that he came as a light for all mankind, but he came as the one who gives light to every person. See, the fact is, at the Christmas story, the Son of God came into the world, not for the world, but he came personally. He came as a person in order for it to be personal for you and for me. In fact, this is what the angels declared to the shepherds in that familiar story uh, uh, in Luke chapter 2. You see that on your notes. Today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's a, that's a word said to shepherds, and, and the shepherds didn't say, you know, for the whole world this is born. They said he's He's been born for you. And you know the thing I love is, when you read through the New Testament and you look at the Gospels, Jesus finds this guy named Zacchaeus and he calls him by name and he says, Zacchaeus, I, I've gotta come stay at your house today. He meets one of his disciples, Nathaniel, and he gives details about Nathaniel that you know he'd never met Nathaniel and yet he gave details about him that he saw him long before Nathaniel ever saw Jesus. And he met a woman sitting in a well one day outside of the city of Samaria who was a complete stranger to him. And yet he was able to tell her every detail about her life in an amazing kind of a way. You see, Jesus Christ comes not to save the world. He came to save you. And he came to save me. In fact, I like how one woman wrote this in a devotional that I I read some years ago. She said, I'd heard a hundred times at least about God's offer of salvation and forgiveness and Jesus to the world, but I always heard the world part, and I didn't think it really applied to me personally. It always sounded like I was being thrown into the washing machine with the whole load of other dirty clothes, (laughs) but as I met him in the Gospels, I found a Jesus who loved forgave and saved people individually. And I realized that I was to him much more like a valuable blouse being lovingly and carefully washed by hand to remove its soiling and restore its fine luster, cleaned and pressed and made beautiful again. That's the kind of savior Jesus is to those who meet him. And my friend, I want to say to you, that's the point of the coming of Christ into the world his coming was for me was for you personally now i want to take a moment and do something here there's a there's a great streaming show on many of you've probably seen this already it's called the chosen and uh, you know one of the problems when we when we watch movies about you know the christ is kind of, we know what the end is from the beginning and one of the things i love about the chosen you can watch this on youtube and, uh, and see there's like three seasons of it, is it does the best job I've ever seen of showing how Jesus Christ in his true humanity began to reveal himself to his disciples. Now there's a Christmas version of this, in fact it's in the theaters, and I wanna show you just a little clip from this, and I, I just wanna say if you're watching online, you're streaming this with us, And if all of a sudden everything just uh, stops, that's because sometimes the streaming platforms, especially Facebook and YouTube, they have computers looking for copyrighted material and they'll just shut down. If that happens, go to northpoint.org slash live and you can join us uh, back in the service here. Uh, But we did get permission to use this copyrighted material. But I want you to just, before we move on, I want you to see this great scene where Mary is describing to Mary Magdalene how she gave birth to Jesus. Watch this. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his love's It's like the song of Hannah, but even more beautiful. Are you better? Is this comfortable? Yes, thank you. Are you still in pain? Yes, but the, the blanket underneath is helping. (laughs) oh i don't know how you did that (laughs) i feel like my heart is going to explode (laughs) don't make me laugh it hurts to laugh Mm. Mm. he's so small smaller than i expected I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't any of this. Mm. No, from the beginning of it all. So, your messenger said that he would be called Holy, the Son of God. The prophecy mentions Emmanuel. Are we going to stick with Jesus? think we shot? Probably best, huh? Mm. He needs to sleep. You both do. Put him in the manger. It's a better bed than the one I made for you. Gosh, without question, here's the great mystery of the Christian faith. That God came to us as a person, as a baby. And I I just love there how Mary says, he's so small. (laughs) You know, I've heard people say that same kind of an idea. How could God, how could the great God who made this whole universe, how how could he come To this planet and become a baby why would he be able to care about me personally and I'd say to you it's because your God isn't big enough if you don't see that he could become small enough that he could be for you in fact here's the second thing if you'll write this down he took on my biggest problem and that's what I call the sin death syndrome That Jesus came into the world and he came to be a savior. See, uh, my biggest dread, frankly, is death. Death is, hands down, the biggest enemy that that can do more damage to anything in my life uh, than anything else. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, that's the big thing you and I worry about. What's the worst case scenario that could happen? Something could kill us. And Jesus Christ came into the world. He shared in the human experiences of birth and death for yours and my salvation. He came, on, he came to take on our greatest enemy, that which is our greatest uncertainty and is our greatest source of dread. Now, let me explain what I mean here about the sin-death syndrome. A syndrome is something where you see a, a clustering of things that always seem to go together. And in the Bible, sin always goes together with death. Let me show you a couple of verses about that from Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4. God says this, Behold, all souls are mine. See, I want to say to you that, that God made you for himself. He made me for himself. And so he says, Behold, all souls are mine. And then he says this, The soul that sins... Will die Now, do you remember way back at the beginning of Genesis that Scripture says that in human history that our first parents were in a perfect garden where they were given the gift of, a, of immortality with God? And God said, man, I want you to enjoy this garden. I've made it for you. Eat of all the trees you want, except you keep your hands off of one particular tree. I reserve the rights to that myself. In the day that you eat of that tree, you will die. And you know the story. And I want to say to you that not only in human history, but as well as in our own story, we have all disobeyed God. We've done what we want to do. In fact, this word sin at the, the root, the, the middle letter of the, of the word sin is that, is that letter I. Sin is an I problem. It's where I decide that I'll do what I want to do with my life, and I don't have to do what God wants me to do. And as a result... The Bible says that there's darkness that comes into my life, and the Bible always makes the connection, the soul that sins will die. Remember, God said to our first parents, the day that you eat of it, you will die. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, look at this next verse. Sin came into the world, and through sin, death. And by the way, if there's a, if there's a doctrine of the Bible that there's a wealth of empirical evidence to prove, it's the, it's the fact that sin came into the world, that we have all sinned, wouldn't you agree? And as a result, death has spread to the whole human race because everyone has sinned. And boy, we can prove that empirically, can we not? In fact, the last time I checked, the death rate is still 100%. You know, every community has cemeteries. Every newspaper that you read is going to have obituaries because people are dying. In fact, it seems like in the newspaper they die in alphabetical order. Have you noticed that? <laughs> and, and you know that saying, do you not? There's only two things that are certain. They're what? Death and taxes. Yep. And so death passed to the whole world. I like what one guy said about that, though. He said, well, at least uh, death doesn't get worse every time Congress convenes. <laughs> and I... Agree with him, and on. Another guy. Another guy said, "Yeah, but at least with, with taxes, you can get an automatic extension if you apply for it." You know, <laughs> and the fact is, we're we're gonna die, and we don't like to think about that much. We like to live as if we're gonna and think as if we're gonna be around forever. But the fact is, this sin death syndrome is a reality, and it's coming to claim us. In fact, if you and I lived three thousand years ago. Uh, in Egypt, we would have been fixated with the idea of the afterlife. Uh, because we knew that after we die, there's gonna be an afterlife. And, and we'd have probably been helping to build you know King Tut's uh, uh, pyramid, you know, that uh, they put all kinds of stuff in so they could, they could enjoy it in the afterlife. In fact, a few years back, I was amazed to see this in 2014, a guy in Ohio, 82 years old. Check out this picture. Uh, uh, Billy Stanley asked to be buried. Can you bring that picture up? Asked to be buried with his favorite Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Have we got that picture that you can show? Do we have that? We don't have that, apparently. Well, (laughs) Google it. Go to Rabbi Google and Google a guy buried on his Harley-Davidson, okay? And uh, you'll be amazed uh, to see... Uh, that this happened. Now, what I want to say to you, you know, here's how this kind of shakes out. Will you write this down? Initially, we die spiritually. Uh, This is what happens, is that we die spiritually. We're not even aware of this. In fact, some theologians say we're actually born into the world spiritually dead with a a dead spirit. And uh, the Bible is somewhat mysterious about this. We don't know how this works, but we know that that we're we're born and, and we're already kind of alienated from God and alienated from one another. In fact, you don't, you don't even have to teach kids how to be selfish and self-centered, how to be cruel, how to steal things, how to hurt each other, do you? You see, sin infects and it affects every part of our life. And this sin-death syndrome, friend, sin can, can kill your innocence, it can kill relationships, it can kill opportunities, it can... Kill your joy, it can kill your hope and your dreams. We die spiritually. Then eventually we'll die physically. Write that down. Here's the second thing we're gonna die physically, and uh, that's gonna happen eventually. Now, for some of us, it may take longer than others, but eventually we're gonna die physically. And you know, I don't know if you've thought about this, but really, our mortality as human beings is really kind of a blessing that God says those who sin are going to die. Because imagine, for example, if evil dictators lived forever and could keep pushing their evil off on other people. Imagine what it would be like if you lived forever with your addictions and with your pain or with your eccentricities that just got worse and worse and worse for 900 to a, 1,000 to a years. Imagine what that would be like. So in a sense, Death is almost a blessing to us, but we're going to die physically. Your Christmas tree is like that. This time of the year, you will get a fresh Christmas tree and put it up in your house, but it's only a matter of time until that thing's going to stop drop, start dropping needles. You can't leave it up till July, can you? Because the moment that was cut off from its base, that tree started to die. It has enough residual life in it that it appears to still be alive, but it's dying and you and I are the same way we die spiritually eventually we die physically and ultimately we can die eternally this is the big danger is the bible says if we die physically and we're dead spiritually that we can actually die eternally this is what the bible calls the second death jesus referred to this as hell he said in fact those who've never been born again we're going to die twice We're gonna die physically but we're also in danger of dying eternally. Now look at what Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 tells us. Here's what the scripture says. Since we, God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood too by being born in human form. For only as a human, only as a human being could he die and in dying break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And only in that way could he deliver those who through fear of death have been living all their lives as slaves to constant dread. See, Jesus Christ became a human being. He came and he shared in our mortal body. And the evil one said, you know what? If he's mortal, then that means I can tempt him to the sin-death syndrome. But he was never able to do that with Jesus. So the next best thing is he tempted evil people to go ahead and put him to death. And he thought that he had Jesus taken care of when he was nailed to a cross. But the Bible says in that moment, this is one of the great mysteries of our faith, in that moment, as evil did all it could do to expend itself on him and unleash its fury on him, Jesus' cross where he died became ground zero where the penalty for my sin and yours and the power of darkness itself was broken through his cross. And Jesus Christ said, this is why I came into the world. This is what I was born to do. You know, some years ago, the very early part of our church, I remember hearing this story about a, a young girl named Anissa Ayala. And in fact, do we have those pictures that we can put up? We got those. I happened to see this, and it was the story, and I read it at that time. In fact, I remember telling it at church, I thought it was so incredible, about this young girl who in 1988 discovered she had leukemia, and she found that she only had a 1 in 20,000 chance of finding a, a, a match from bone marrow to be able to help cure her of her leukemia, it's a very sick girl. The problem is there are only 17,000 people that were on the donor list. So it's like it seemed hopeless. But then someone suggested something to her parents and they said, well, you know, um, it's possible. They'd already tested her parents. They'd already tested her older brother. You see him in the picture here. And uh, none of them were matched. But they said, you know what? It's possible. It's possible that if you have another child, there will be a one in four possibility that that child will have the perfect don't, uh, a bone marrow match and might be able to save her from her leukemia. And so her parents prayed about it. Her mother, uh, Mary, decided, you know, let, let's go for this, especially after she had a dream of having three healthy children. And she only had two kids at the time. And she thought, this must be the Lord's plan. The only problem is, Abe, her husband, had already had the snip-snip vasectomy, okay? So he had to have that reversed, i say it delicately, and uh, there's only a 40% chance that that works, typically, and they said there's a 1 in 10 probability that you can get her pregnant uh, in the time, and you know, then you have to wait 14, did you see the, what they were up against? But in April of 1990, this little baby was born. They named her Marissa, a mixture of the name Mary and Anissa. And she was born, and sure enough, she had the perfect match. And she saved her sister's life. And, and what's been interesting to me over the years, I've caught, you know, a few years ago, she graduated from college. And here's a picture that's coming up of uh, her, her graduation. And, uh, and uh, then, in fact, uh, here's a picture of she and her sister just taken just a couple of years ago. They both live in Orange County. They're both working in the health fields and saving lives. And I thought, you know, this is really an incredible story. A mother named Mary gives birth to a baby who has saving blood. Friends, I wanna tell you that's what Jesus came to do. In fact, if you'll write this down, he offers my greatest solution and that's the gift of eternal life, the gift of eternal life. You see, Jesus promises eternal life to us. John 1 tells us, but as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And eternal life is where literally Jesus gives us his very own life. Romans 6, 23 says this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, God says, I'm willing to give you a gift of eternal life, and that, that, that eternal life's not found in a philosophy, it's not found in a way, it's not found in a church, it's found in a person, Jesus Christ. And eternal life is where the life of Jesus himself comes inside me, and it begins to change me. Jesus said this in John 5, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Notice, that's a present possession right now. Has eternal life. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. And if you go back and read this, what he's talking about is those like you and me who are dead spiritually... And when Jesus calls to us and he invites us to himself, when we respond, we come to new life. In fact, here's what happens, if you'll write this down. First, I get a reborn inner life. Jesus called this being born again spiritually. My inner world changes as Jesus comes and brings his light and life into my darkness and death. And everything becomes new as I'm captured by him and I start living for him. And I live in now in his kingdom. He is my king. Titus 2, 3 and 4, uh, 13 and 14 tells us this. Our great God and savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and purify for himself a people who are his very own eager to do what is good if you, if you uh, want to put it a different way, that he changes my wanter. He gives me the desire to start living different because now my heart has opened to him and I've allowed him to take his rightful place at the center of my life because I've just speak, speak for myself here. See, before I came to know Jesus Christ, I lived for the kingdom of Steve. The king that I honored and worshiped was Steve. I lived for the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. And everything I did, I decided on my own. And when I met Jesus Christ, he changed everything. And I was reborn from the inside. And here's the second thing. I have real confidence to handle death. You see, when Jesus Christ gives me the gift of eternal life, he doesn't take away my mortality, but he assures me of my eternity. Jesus says to me that, in fact, if I belong to him, I'm going to outlast every problem that I'll ever have. And I want to tell you what our biggest fear about death is. It's the question, am I going to be okay? Will I get through it? And will I be okay? And I want to tell you that when Jesus Christ says, you know what? No matter what happens to you from now on, you're going to outlast everything that comes your way, including your death, that gives you confidence to face death. In fact, I'll never forget years ago, a woman named Betty in our church, about 1991 or so, she had become a Christian at, uh, at our church. We were meeting in a school at the time. She was in her 50s, she got cancer. And I went to visit with her, and she was so distraught about the fact that she was gonna die. And I said, well, you know, Betty, I said, you've opened your life to Christ, haven't you? And she said, oh, yes, yes. He's changed my life tremendously, and I knew he had, because I'd watched her life. I said, Betty, did you know that Jesus Christ says that you've got this? That your death, regardless of what is gonna happen, Jesus Christ is going to be with you every step of the journey, and he says that when you take your last breath here, your next breath is gonna be with him in heaven. Did you know that? And she said, no, I didn't know it. She didn't give her life to Christ to go to heaven. She gave her life to Christ because she needed him in her life. And I opened up the Bible and began to share these passages of Scripture. To depart from this life is to be present with Christ. That if this tent of our body is torn down, we have a heaven in home, at home for us. And I want to tell you, she began to just gleam in her eyes and glow, why? Well, 2 Timothy one ten says this, our savior Jesus Christ broke the power of death and he showed us the way of everlasting life through trusting in him. And friend, I wanna tell you that if you belong to Jesus Christ, I may be talking to some people here today, you're dealing with cancer right now or you're dealing with some other terminal deal. In fact, every person I'm talking to, you all are terminal, you realize that, right? Death is a certainty. But Jesus Christ says, by my death and resurrection, I've changed what eternity can be for you. And I'm going to be with you. And not only did Betty go on to be with him, but so many others through the years. Herman and Catherine and Les and Bill, Jeff, Eddie. My goodness, Gigi. Anna, Josh, many others, part of North Point, they're with him right now. Why? Because Jesus Christ broke the power of death. Aren't you glad for that? And that means I've got a totally triumphant destiny, if you'll write that last thing down about what Jesus does for us. Because you and I are gonna outlast everything. In fact, Jesus says we're gonna outlast the universe. Can you believe that? And he says it's gonna be total triumph for you. Romans 8, 37 to 39 tells us about this totally triumphant destiny that we have. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor... Do you get the point? Nothing, he says, can keep you from being with Christ. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I like how a guy named Vance Havner once put it, when he said, you know what, the Christian may have nothing, but he possesses all things. Paul said in the Scriptures, the future is yours, and everything belongs to you. And the devil comes along and says, serve me, and I'll give you many things. But the Christian can say, you can't give me anything because I already have everything. And the devil says, well, then I'll take away what you have. And, and the Christian can say, well, I don't have anything because everything I have is in the future. And so Satan says, well, I'll take your life. And the Christian says, to depart and be with Christ is by far better, according to Scripture. And Habner says, what can you do with a man like that? You can't head him off even if you take off his head. You see, you and I have been invincibilized by Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? That's what Christmas is about. Now, would you write down these final matters? Here's the truth. You matter to God, but does he matter to you? You matter to God, and my goodness, there's no reason to ever question that again. There's no doubt about it that he came into our world and he, he came to be our Savior and he gave his life for us. But the question is does he matter to you? You see, John 1 says that he came even to his own world, but the world didn't recognize him for who he was and didn't welcome him, didn't receive him. But to those who did, he gave the power to become the sons of God. And then would you write this down? This is a matter of profound personal application and eternal implications. What do I mean by that? My friends... That Jesus Christ loved you enough to come into this world and be your Savior is the source of your and my significance and validation and meaning and assurance and comfort and courage. See, this story is not like another, it's not like the story of Elf or you know, or Scrooge that you watch this season. Ah, great, you know, I watched my Christmas story. No, this story, friends, it has personal application every single day to your life. And I want to say, if it's true, it has eternal implications because it means what you do with Christ can affect your whole eternity. And there may be some of you sitting here today and God brought you to this place or perhaps you're watching online right now Because God is wanting to give you one of those eternal moments like he gives now and then where he's just asking you, will you give yourself to me? You matter to me so much. Will you give yourself to me? It's a matter of eternity for you to do that. And some people say, well, you know what? How could God ever send anybody to hell? The whole point of Christmas, Jesus is saying, you're only gonna go to hell over my dead body, friend. Because I came to give my life for you. Have you received him? He's got all you'll need if you'll follow him. Bow with me for a word of prayer, will you? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that we don't just celebrate this season of the year because it's kind of fun to buy things and do a lot of neat stuff outdoors and, but we celebrate this season of the year because of who you are and what you've done. You're the one that started the giving. And we thank you for that. And so Lord, in the quietness of this moment, we wanna invite you to take your rightful place at the center of our heart and the center of our life. Be in us who you are, Lord, live your life in us And for some who right now, for the the first time, would you just ask him, Jesus, I need you. Please come into my life. Become my master and my king. Forgive me. Help me to live for you. I receive what you came to give me. Thank you, Lord, that we matter to you more than we could ever imagine. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, and we worship you, and we live for you, amen.